Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Today about finding meaning after loss in multiple births, and our guest on this segment is Jean Kolontai. Jean Kolontai founded Climb Inc., the Center for Loss in Multiple Birth, in 1986 after one of her full-term twin sons died at birth. Jean resides in Anchorage, Alaska, from where she edits the newsletter and coordinates Climb's website. Welcome to the show, Jean. Oh, thank you. And uh, good morning. It's an hour earlier here in Alaska, so uh, good morning. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Heidi's in New York. I'm in San Francisco, and our studio's in San Diego. So, uh, oh, the, okay. The wonderful internet. Yeah. Well, uh, Jean, uh, we just had um, on um, Jenny Handler, uh, Jennifer Handler, and uh, we were, Heidi and I were talking about this before the show. Jennifer, um, you know, has a, a real religious bent on the um, on the loss of a multiple. And she had a multiple like you, and you, uh, taking a di- sort of a different approach, went on to found uh, Climb, the Center mm-hmm. for uh, Multiple Birth, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us about your loss, and, and tell us about going on to found uh, Climb. Mm-hmm. What um, mm-hmm. drove you to do that, and talk a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah, well, I had to smile. I was listening a little bit to the end of, of Jenny Henry's interview. And, of course, I've read her book and we, we've talked. We know each other. But I did have to smile because I think each of us draws on what is familiar to us um, in these challenges. And, and I was also alone in some ways because I was new up here in Alaska and where we were living at the time. We had just moved up after we were married. And I drew on what was familiar to me, which happened to be being like a nonprofit coordinator in a kind of ah. a social worker background. Ah. And so we even sometimes smile, but I found myself even with a lot of, you know, paperwork and, and things that you wouldn't normally associate with loss and, and coping with this kind of loss. But again, it was because I was drawing on some of my past experiences. And mm-hmm. I really did believe at the time, and I can still, this is some years ago now, but I, I remember just very, very vividly what it felt like to believe that I was truly the only one, that this had really never happened to anyone else, and no one else had ever faced the challenges that I did in this situation. And the media, of course, reinforces this idea. There's so much in our culture about twins and multiples and miracles and happy yeah. endings and all these kinds of the, things. The front of People magazine right now. Andrew oh, Jones yeah. Hit with their twins. Oh, tell me, yeah. Right? I could, I could tell you every celebrity who's had twins for the last 20 years, you know, and, right. and been on People magazine, and not one day had gone by since that magazine was published, but then another celebrity, a major one, announced or it was announced for her her twin pregnancy so there wasn't even a, a gap there you know before the next one right and and this is something that but the media has chosen to play that up and there was a, a era it, it subsided a little bit now but in the late 90s mid to late 90s there was an era where sex couplets you know were being born and, and this sort of thing oh there were huge some people had like seven just, babies yeah really yeah, ridiculous. yeah, yeah exactly sex couplets 
Yeah, so there was just all this, you know, attention to all of that, but never the the feeling that that anything could happen and and feeling very singled out, you know, what is it about me that I was in. And the whole mystique is built up, and and also through some of the multiples organizations, you feel specially chosen to have these babies in some way. And then when you get unchosen, it's very, very, in whatever way, you know, it's very tough. And and I just did not have a clue. And then what was, though, truly sad was that as soon as I did begin to look for other people and and for any kind of information in print that related to it, this was at the beginning of the time of fertility technology when multiple births really were on the rise. I love love that word, frankly, fertility mm -hmm. technology. Mm -hmm. I mean, isn't that incredible? I mean, yeah. the, the, it, it's just unbelievable because of all the ramifications for women, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, absolutely. And there's a book um, that came out this last year called Everything Conceivable by Lisa Monday that I highly recommend to anyone who's interested in this topic and multiples. And she's a journalist, so there's a number of things out journalist who really researched this area and, and put out an interesting book that, that goes in. It's, it doesn't sort of judge or, or prescribe one way or the other, but it really puts out what the dilemmas and, and the situations are that have been created here and what we have and have had so much in climb of. And, and I'll, I'll mention my experience, and then I was not myself involved in fertility technology, although I was a little bit older and they were our first children at the time. But what you have is, is people who just so much wanted children, went through so much to have them, Early ultrasounds, you know, here they are, you know, and, right. and this idea. You're bonded that, with them immediately. Oh, from six weeks along now, in many cases. I didn't see my guys until 18 weeks, but you've got people now seeing their babies. And you lost both of your boys. Along. No, I lost one, one of my boys. Okay. I had fraternal twin boys, and one of them, Andrew Bernie and Andrew are their names and had a good pregnancy with them. And then right at the very end, I was like several days before my due date and went for my last checkup. And what we thought was, you know, normal, you know, there they are jumping around type of checkup and, and when are they going to be born, you know. Right. And, and Andrew had died very suddenly and there was never, I'd had amnio, I'd had everything at the time, you know, that was available. And there was an autopsy that we had later, but there was really no clue as to why he had died and so I found myself one day I was there you know very pregnant with twins thinking oh they're going to be home and born somehow you know in the next few days we hope and, and you uh, probably had a then, two, two you know high chair two of everything oh yeah we just got in the car seat mm-hmm. picked them up and, and the double snuggly had just arrived right. you know from California everything was ready and then literally four days later I found myself well, a few days later, the, that day, that night, I found myself holding both of them, you know, both very cute, but one was alive and, and one was dead. Mm-hmm. And then three days later, we were home with one baby, one little cute, tiny, well, not so But tiny you're lucky. Baby. You had one, and right? Then, well, I did hear that a few times. Yeah. <laughs> yes. and, and, and I can imagine. And, but this was my welcome to parenthood, was literally holding a dead baby on one arm and a live one on the other, a living one. And saying, you know, here and, we and are. You feel what like happened? Your live, your live and son, your son was looking for his brother, even at that point. 
Oh, well, he's eating breakfast here as we speak. Oh. I just could ask him. <laughs> he's on his way to work, actually. Yeah, I was thinking... But, um, but no, I, I think he had a sense of where's my playmate, you know. He right. was pretty happy to be here, actually, and he was the, you know, but, but there was a sense, I think, for him that something had changed because they had played very actively together for many months. And, um, and so suddenly that that element wasn't there. He was scared of the dark a little bit, and this fear just had, I think he'd had a feeling that that something had changed somehow. But he was a very very happy little hungry happy you know wonderful child, and that made it all the more bizarre. You know, as to well, how can you have both these babies, and they can both be you know well five and six pound babies and healthy apparently and all these things. And then have one who is very alive and, and one who is very cute but very dead. And here we are. This is my twins. It's all rolled up in, in one package here. Mm-hmm. My twins and then becoming a parent kind of in that context. This is my first experience of parenthood, too. And nursing, even just things like learning to be able to nurse, any of that. And, and Now, do you think you grieved strongly during that time or did you hold it off? What was... You know. Well, both in a way that I was in actually a fortunate situation, and I didn't have as much pressure as some people do um, to kind of be normal and keep going. Partly, I think, because I didn't have any older children, and partly because we were new and and somewhat isolated <laughs> where we were. I and I wasn't working. I had my day, you know, to kind of do what I needed to do, and. Uh, and I would spend a significant part of every day doing what I needed to do with my grief and then still be able, and processing, a lot of it really had to do with, with processing this whole experience that had been so sudden and so shocking. So, and then I yeah. could still enjoy my living son. I still had, by the time the day was over, I had kind of done everything that I needed to do that day and then keep going, you know, from there, and, and the first year was pretty intense in that way, but but I was able to do it all without as many external pressures forcing me to do other things, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, how old is your son now? 22. Tell him we said hi. <laughs> <laughs> they say hi, Bernie. <laughs> from San Francisco and, and New York. <laughs> and, and, you know, we've done some shows on twin loss, and twins do say that even if they didn't know their, their twin. I mean, they knew them in vitro, and they do say that often they feel like something's always been missing from their lives. So I well, you know, one of the reasons that we started the group, and again, I don't want to sound, you know, too much the other way, but there's a lot of things that we're never going to really know about right. that, and particularly about the younger ones, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the in utero and birth losses. And and I've kind of taken the approach with myself and, and also in the group a lot of it has found. I really, I talk to my son. The, the more support there is for parents, the better off the, the surviving child is, if indeed we are fortunate enough to have, you know, a survivor right. And uh, compared to losing both of them. Now, do you work with people who don't into. have a survivor? And, oh, very much. And okay. a third or a half of our group. And, and that's partly why I don't want to really, you know, 
focus only on the survivor questions. But the more support there is for the parents. I mean, I've had people call me up and say, well, no wonder my mother never bonded to me, you know, whatever. No wonder I felt lonely. My mother never bonded to me. There are a lot of things going on with parents in these situations that can really lend themselves to children feeling lonely and disconnected. I think one of the things that was going on is you're terrified you're going to lose another child, so it's almost dangerous to get too close. Right, right. Now, I was sure that my son, you know, would die of SIDS. You know, I wasn't sure, but, right. but I was just terrified of SIDS for that first year. When you have seen that other child die and they're right there and it's the twin, well, yeah, you know. And so there's a very strong element of fear. Um, there's a feeling of unreality and, and bizarreness about it all. Many people in the past weren't able to even see or hold the child who died, the twin. We were very fortunate that way. Even though we were in a small hospital in Alaska, we had the opportunities that we needed. We even brought him home and had a home service with him. Mm-hmm. We were able to do the things that, that helped keep it seem like it was from being two very separate, you know, kind of bizarrely juxtaposed. Now, let me ask you, what so do you suggest were... to our audience out there mm-hmm. who have not had that experience? What do you mm-hmm. When people come into your group and they are angry and they weren't mm-hmm. able to hold the baby and mm-hmm. that kind of thing, what do you suggest to people? Uh-huh. Well, we work with people about it, and, and there are people now who, for example, do portraits of the baby. Um, you, you can take photographs and combine them into one photo uh, in various ways. Uh, you can have a portrait done that includes the mom and both babies working from photos and mm-hmm. from memories. There are beautiful things. I, I'm not as creative as many people, but there are beautiful shadow boxes that people have done. Uh, writing their story in our newsletter is a huge thing for many people because, again, they're having to put together the whole experience and, and look at it kind of as a whole and, and honor my twins and, and everything that happened. Um, my situation was very um, simple, you know, and, and, and particularly, let's say, compared to Jenny's, you know, that she just talked about and others. It was kind of quick and brutal, and there we were, you know, in a few days. But but many people. But you're out of the hospital too. Yeah, you don't have the support when you leave. Oh well, yeah, yeah, and that's true. And I I mean, she was in the hospital. The baby was in the hospital Mm -hmm. for three months, so she had Mm -hmm. some staff. Were you just out there? Did they just leave you? Yeah, well, people go through very difficult things, though, in the hospital because more often than not, people in the hospital setting, the staff will, from what I hear, will typically, they just end up forgetting that there was the other baby who died, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're also confronted by living multiples a lot in the hospital (laughs) in many situations, and and we've spent a lot of time working with people in those kind of situations. And the doctors probably don't spend as much time with you if you haven't got a baby. Your life is very challenging challenging when you're going between the hospital and, and everything else that you need to do. So there, there's pros and cons, but my situation was not as complex in, in a sense. The, the situation itself was not as complex. Now, do you run groups you know, with CLIMB, or do you, um, is it just on the Internet, or...? Oh, well, we've never been just on the Internet, because okay. our group started in the late 1980s. And where, and do you have groups all over the United States? Oh, yeah, if I could just back up a little, sorry. Um, we, we started in the late 1980s, and what we have is a parent contact list. We have members all over the United States, Canada, 
and other countries as well, and, and particularly New Zealand and Australia and others. And our, our sort of mission has been to get people together wherever and, and however we can. And if we had the staff, we'd love to develop local groups. It's, it's very complicated to do. And there are, there have been local groups, and we work with them, people who want to do something. We try to help them and with can contact you give a website with support. for people that want to get in touch with sure. CLIMB? Yeah, it's climb-support.org. Climb-support.org. Yeah, we've just been working out. My son is our webmaster, actually, and we've just been uh, working on some (laughs) updates to the website. (laughs) Well, he he certainly can't say it's been a secret in his family, can he? (laughs) No, and what I was going to say a few minutes ago is that we found that it helps to be open from the very beginning, you know, and, and it would be easy for survivors to think there was something weird about them, you know, when mom and dad are kind of keeping the secret, you know, and not really sure what to say and all of that. And But the thing is, your child is not your support group either, and, and you need, parents need support in looking at these really extraordinary challenges that we're facing, while other people, of course, are underrating the challenges. And one thing, too, and, and we've talked about my experience, but there are, as we were discussing, just a significant number of women who are facing complete loss of both or all the babies, and this is one of the most heartbreaking and, and little discussed aspects of this whole world of multiples and, and also fertility technology. Well, well, and Jean, I was shocked that it said between 1990 and 2002, the multiple birth rate climbed 42%. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's an amazing yeah. climb. Well, I was just going over and, and putting on our website the the most recently formulated year now of U.S. vital statistics is 2005, and they've just come out. And basically, twins have doubled since uh, 1980, and triplets had tripled at one point. Triplets are declining a little bit now, but they're still up very significantly. Well, when I was going down the in vitro road, um, they, my doctor said he would only put three. I mean, he mm-hmm. had the minimum number of eggs he would he would do in vitro with was three. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. not allowed to have one. Mm-hmm. So it, mm-hmm. you, it had to be three, and I was very anxious about that because of the whole multiple yeah. births and losing children. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't go yeah. down that road, but that's mm-hmm. It's interesting mm-hmm. to hear this. And Heidi yeah. well, chose to adopt instead. Pardon? Heidi chose to adopt instead. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and even one, you can become pregnant with twins. There's a higher rate of splitting now they've found after the, uh, not only in vitro, but the fertility drugs alone. And so you get the most high-risk pregnancies you possibly can have with, well, and like as with Jenny, uh, identi- so-called identical twins who share a placenta or triplets where two or more of the babies share a placenta, and then you're just up into the stratosphere as far as what the risks are, and, and not only of death, but of, of prematurity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just um, astounding what's going on with that. And, and just medications um, that make people more fertile, and they're getting right. pregnant and losing the pregnancies at older right. ages. It's so, right. our right. heart goes out to the people that are yeah. listening to this really show. Who yeah, are, yeah. You know, and what's happening in, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, oh, in the United States, um, the, the Medicaid, because of the medical system and the cost of in vitro, uh, the drugs alone are used in, in situations where in vitro at least you have some control, not total by any means, but you have some control. The people who we see who are in the most difficult situations are those who have the drugs alone and conceive four, five, six or more. 
wow. after using the drug, sometimes not monitored as much as they should have been. And there's a story on our site, which I recommend to anyone, a reader and I were just going over it the other day, of a woman who was very much trying to conceive one. She, in fact, had twins already who were somewhat premature. She conceived six, and then everything that possibly could have happened after that happened, it's just, it's a, it's a story in itself, you know, of, of what can, what can occur with all of this right down the line from early pregnancy and until after birth and these off the map type of situations, what we, what I didn't expect in climb and, and I did start hearing from people right away all over the country and Canada and, and just all kinds of things. But what we didn't, what I didn't expect, um, but be, became very real in the 1990s was women with all these very off the map childbearing careers and experiences and, and you get things, I mean, people who've conceived 15, you know, and have mm-hmm. two living children and a combination of things that you just wouldn't normally find in one woman's life and, and trying to have children and then you get these combinations of experiences and, and things that are just off the map of the known world and, and very heavily combined with loss but also with infertility, with, with all sorts of other things that can come up. And then people who may now have two living children but have gone through so much in such a short period of time, thank you, and, um, and are having to very much process and heal from all of that, including wow. the loss. That well, let me ask you, we've got to close the show now, and I, mm-hmm. I think uh, people definitely, if they've got any of these issues, should go to your website and, uh, and get involved with the CLIMB, the Center for uh, Loss and Multiple Birth. And if you had one piece of advice to give those folks out there who have had a multiple loss or a loss of one of a twin, would you have one piece of advice? Well, it would be you're not alone and that you can cope and heal, that we all have different ways of looking at things and doing things and experiencing things. It's really a long-term experience and a long-term impact, but you really can cope and heal. Life can be good, and we'll always wish that all our babies or both of them were here, but life can be good again, but we don't do it alone. Thank you so much, Regine, yeah. for being on our show. I like Wonderful that. And I just way to wanted close. to add, if, if anyone's feeling isolated alone, please reach out to Climb and reach out to Gene and other people out there. Absolutely. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com. 